0: Hey there, welcome to Nearly One-Fourth, a podcast dedicated to women that are exploring or are in the field of architecture. I'm Haley and I'm super excited to share my journey with you as I learn about the architecture profession and how to navigate it as a woman and as an emerging professional. On the very first episode today of Nearly One-Fourth, I'm super happy to welcome Tara Brown to the show. Tara is the head consultant for TL Brown Consulting, is an Ivy League graduate who has helped dozens of entrepreneurs over the last eight years generate millions of dollars in revenue. Tara uses her extensive background as an architect and coach to help entrepreneurs who don't know what to do next build successful businesses, get a clear vision, and harness their inner strength so that their success enhances their personal and professional life. Her goal is to help 10,000 business owners and professionals generate $1.0 billion in revenue by 2032. Today's conversation is super exciting. And welcome to the very first episode of Nearly One-Fourth. Hello, everyone. My name is Haley Rogers, and I'm super excited to welcome you to the very first episode of Nearly One-Fourth. Woo-hoo! I'm really happy to be kicking off the first episode by welcoming my dear friend, Tara Brown, to Nearly One-Fourth. Tara, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's so, so good to be here. I love your podcast. I love the idea
1: and Thank I you. love supporting women in architecture. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Good. Awesome. Well, um, I had the pleasure of meeting you about a week ago, um, but no one here has yet. So would you mind telling the nearly one fourth listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do and what it means for you to be a part of architecture?
1: Sure. So I am a licensed architect in Arizona and I found out about six months ago that um, I'm a mixed, a mixed race, that I was the first licensed African-American female architect in the history of the state of Arizona. And I got licensed back in 1999. Yes, some of you listening might not have <laughs> been born yet. I get that. Um, and so I've practiced architecture really since I finished graduate school in 93, undergraduate degree from MIT, master's at Yale, thought I wanted to be faculty, decided that wasn't my path. And I ended up doing healthcare architecture, which we'll talk more about, which ended up being a really great place to be a woman um in the field. And it's not it's not what I thought I was gonna do. I, I thought I was gonna be like the next great designer, the Frank Lloyd Wright, or you know, the next, I don't know, Eric Owen Moss. and Moss. No, that wasn't quite my style, but the next great design architect. And I fell in love with healthcare. Yeah. For a lot of really personal reasons. Yeah.
0: I think um we all have the uber ambitious dream in school of being the next Frankly right. And to be honest, none of us usually are. <laughs> which is okay. It's okay because we're a profession of problem solvers and it we all end up liking mm-hmm. it for more than the design part anyways. Yeah. Um, and then it's so fun that you're into healthcare architecture that I went to I just finished at Clemson and they have a huge healthcare program, which I didn't partake in. Um, but I'm sure you overlapped with a lot of potential colleagues of mine, which is super cool.
1: Yep. Definitely
0: know some of my share of Clemson grads and A and M grads. Which is awesome. Yep. Awesome. Okay, well, I'm just gonna jump right into picking your brain a little bit. Um, could you start by talking generally about what we do in the profession? So one of the conversations I've always struggled with, in school specifically, and I'm sure it'll translate to my work life, is telling my friends and family what I do day to day. Um mm-hmm. I feel like the allure and the mystery of what architecture is can be confusing sometimes and difficult to explain. Um, and then with that, could you maybe talk about um, what women and architecture offers more specifically than the general architect?
1: Sure. So I'll start with like uh, there's a couple ways that I think we can explain what we do as architects. A very simple one sentence answer that will mystify everybody is we that is to say this: we take ideas and we bring them into form. Hmm which is what we do. We take what I like to describe it this way. Like when I'm working with a client, let's say they want to design a house. Mm -hmm. And the first question is, well, how many rooms? How big is it? And so they might say, I want three bedrooms, two bathrooms. I want a two-story house. I want it to be, I don't know what style. Let's make it up Santa Barbara style. Um, and we start kind of get a list, like a list of bullet points. Well, as architects, because we've studied the design process, and that's what mystifies mm-hmm. people, right, is the design mm-hmm. process. And I'll circle back around to that in a little bit. We can take those bullet points and start to make shapes. Mm-hmm. And of course, I, I, the little earlier generation, so I actually learned pen on paper, right? Mm-hmm. So we would take shapes, we would draw diagrams and start to move things around spatially mm-hmm while we're imagining it in our mind. And so we begin to occupy this space and we we give pictures back to our clients, develop more and more of an idea until like, oh yeah, that's what I want. And then we start to develop working drawings or construction documents mm-hmm. from this completed design. And so, and so if you look at it from the outside, we take someone's goals, their mm-hmm. goals for a building. We help them define and get more specific about the goals. And then we translate them into a visual language mm-hmm that can be read by contractors and city officials so that they can be built. Mm-hmm. So we take somebody's ideas, we translate them into a visual language so they can be built and be brought into form. Mm-hmm. That's an easy way to explain it. What I've learned over the course of my career is we actually do something far more profound. And I learned this, Haley and I, we were talking because I used <laughs> to live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she graduated from Clemson, and I used to work for Gantt Huberman Architects, and Harvey Gant was the first African-American mm-hmm graduate from clemson university and so we have kind of that connection there mm-hmm. and when i was working for gant huberman before i moved to arizona and i moved to arizona in the mid 90s um i was working on the design of a meeting room for the charlotte douglas international airport i don't know if it's still there mm-hmm. yes. and um it, and so on the airport i don't know if the room is still there mm. oh yes. Um, <laughs> yes so the um And so I applied what I'd learned as a graduate student. I was working with with form and space and I made a scallop shell and, and I was working with some of the things from acoustics to try to make it work. Acoustically, I spent a lot of time designing this room, got it into construction drawings and I moved to Arizona. I had the opportunity to go back to Charlotte a year later and I got to tour the finished room and the finished project. And when I walked into that room, I had a total deja vu experience. And I realized I had already been there. I'm 27 years old and that was not lost on me. It's like I designed something and what I actually did. So this is what we architects actually do. We take somebody's ideas and we design them and we actually inhabit them in our imagination. Mm -hmm. I had moved into that room. I knew everything about that room. And we live in the new space while the world catches up to us Mm -hmm. that's why people are so mystified Mm -hmm. because that's what we actually do but if you tell somebody that they're gonna not get it so the answer to tell somebody is i take ideas Mm -hmm. i translate them into a visual language that can be built Mm -hmm. but what you really do is you occupy imaginally the future Mm -hmm. while the world catches up to you that's what you really do Mm -hmm. and there's so much power in that. It there would take is. me another 25 years of, <laughs> of life after getting my graduate degree before I really understood that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's part one. Kay. Did you want me to expand on anything else or? No, I just think it's, that?
0: um, I think it's super interesting. So with, um, I, I'm going to relate always back to my academic experience. Um, yeah. cause my co-op experience, it, w- it was vast, but it was very condensed amount of time. Um, It's always so funny because at the end of the project, I always send my parents renderings and graphics from Mm -hmm. the thing I've been working on for 15, 16, 17 weeks. Um, And they're always so amazed by the the graphics and then just the fact that this thing looks so real. And I always Mm -hmm. find myself less amazed than I should be about the final graphics. And that's because I knew I've always I've known throughout the process that that would probably be the end goal, the end visual. I could see the end visual. So with things like maybe marketing, like architecture marketing and the renderings, like the big wow, (laughs) I don't really feel the wow anymore, especially when I'm involved Mm -hmm. with the process because it's something I've seen before. So I I love Mm -hmm. the description of the deja vu feeling and um, those places are real, even in in academic settings when you're designing Mm -hmm. buildings, those spaces are real Mm -hmm. to us Mm -hmm. and it, it, it takes the physical form to show people that, those spaces have been real for a lot longer than we intended. Yeah. Which is so, it's so cool.
1: That's, that's the power mm-hmm. of what we do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the mystifying part. That's, that's, that's where the magic happens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, that's exciting.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah. So if you could talk about um, a little bit about women in architecture and if, sure. if you, if you feel that there's um, like a, maybe a difference in how we visualize or promote that type of language to people? So I think it's interesting. I don't know. How do I want to say this?
1: I don't know that there's a difference in how we visualize, but there may be a difference in how we promote, Mm -hmm. meaning Mm self-promote. And so when I was a young, much younger architect, Mm -hmm. and if I had said to, if someone had said to me then, what I'm about to say to you now Mm -hmm you've got to be kidding me. I would have just like been, there's no way. You've you've got to be kidding me. And I'm going to say it anyway. So I've been a student of the sacred feminine over the last three years and really secret online dating, best of business development (laughs) series of skills you can ever do. We can come back to that for a future podcast. Um, But in online dating, I realized I had shown up in my masculine because as often- in my career, I've I help teams build hospitals and major mm-hmm. major additions to healthcare buildings. I am often the only woman in the room, and um, and so when I would show up on a date, I showed up as my masculine. What mm-hmm. does this have to do with your question? I had to learn how to be feminine again, because mm-hmm. in the room with all these executives and contractors and attorneys, I was the most feminine thing in there, but I was by far into my masculine. So as mm-hmm. I'm studying this. I started to learn some really profound things. Now, let me let me make, paint a picture. I grew up with only sisters, so I didn't have me any too. brothers. There's my dad. <laughs> I didn't have kind of those, you know, I mean, I was married, but I didn't have that kind of mm. influence of, of brothers that might have helped me learn some of the stuff I'm about to share. So mm-hmm. I had to learn this much later in life. As women, um, especially as female-identified women, we have an energetic capacity to create, right? And mm-hmm. if we if we think about how people are born, we gestate them. We, mm-hmm. we take light and we bring it into form. Mm-hmm. That starts to sound a lot like what I was talking about at the top of the conversation, this mm-hmm. idea of taking ideas and bringing them into form. And so why does that matter? The other part of the magic of being an architect is... The intuitive ability to tune into a building project and let the inspiration come through us and create. That is a yin mm-hmm. or feminine capacity. Mm-hmm. Men have that too, but it's a feminine capacity. And so when we show up in a room as in our masculine and we're a woman, we typically are the only, we, we are not showing up in our authentic power. Mm-hmm. And so our authentic power lies in our feminine. And so for one thing, the ability to calm down, be present, mm-hmm. be regulated, and then receive insight. That mm-hmm. is a feminine skill, not a masculine. So feminine is receiving, masculine mm-hmm. is acting, we're going to leave the biology behind, mm-hmm. um, and um, But it's very profound energetically, and like I said, if you told me this in my 20s, I'd have just ignored you. I would have so. So, if this is not landing for you as you're listening to this, come back in 20 years and you'll get it. (laughs) Um, so why is that important? Well, there are certain aspects of the feminine and the way that we can leverage being women in our relationships with men, our career. Our, our universities are gar- graduating, as I understand it, about half women, mm-hmm. but they're not that many. As you said, nearly one-fourth. Mm-hmm. They're staying in the profession, advancing in the profession, let alone moving into leadership capacities. Mm-hmm. So when we show up in our masculine with men, it's they compete with us. Mm-hmm. When we show up in our feminine with men, they help us. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean we're weak. Mm-mm. This is leveraging who and what we are. So what I learned to do was enlist the men that I was working with to help me with problems. The healthy masculine loves to help solve problems. Mm -hmm. So rather than fighting that and having to be the one that solves it... Mm -hmm. Hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with a connection? Can you help me with business development? A lot of my recent work has been in the business development, bringing in work aspect of Mm -hmm. architectures uh, and leading projects more than actually doing them. Mm -hmm. Can you help me with this technical thing? And not because, I mean, if I could just do it, I did it. That wasn't, that's not the thing. But in places where I was stuck, I learned to invite Mm assistance. And then I got it. And that deepened my relationship and the trust with the men that I was working with, which, Mm -hmm made it better mm-hmm. and so we have that capacity so that's one of them is actually leveraging being feminine mm-hmm. and leveraging the 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 yin so i don't necessarily mean that we have to, i like to wear dresses but that's just yeah. we have to <laughs> i mean but leveraging the yin the the receptive feminine energy and becoming mm-hmm. a student of that and there are times to be yang there's times yeah. to be in action so that's one and i mentioned to healthcare that i became a healthcare mm-hmm. architect i didn't plan on it one of the things that i learned looking back over my career and this is about something we haven't talked about that I know we're going to get to is that I had yeah. a career pause. I had twins and I took yeah. time off and I had to rebuild my career after coming back to work. Mm-hmm. But but prior to that, working in a hospital environment, stereotypically, what gender are nurses? Uh, female. <laughs> female. Female. And and what stereotypically the male executive, the leadership still is tends to be male mm-hmm. of, of most hospitals. It's changing, it's evolving, but it's mm-hmm. not unusual. So, so the male leadership in hospitals were used to dealing what Re- with really strong women. Mm-hmm. And so, as an architect, when I walked in to sit down and meet with an executive, as a strong, powerful woman, mm-hmm. I was taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that would have happened in other aspects of our work, other markets, uh, corporate, commercial, Mm -hmm. um, civic, or other things. I think the entire profession is transformed and it's better and it's healthier than it used to be. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. having landed in healthcare, by happenstance, honestly, it's not mm. a design that was not something I designed. It was something that kind of I fell into. Um, and I committed to it after nine yeah. eleven. But having landed in healthcare turned out to be a really good place to be a woman. Yeah. So what's the lesson in that for people? If 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 you're not wedded to a project type as a young architect. Yeah really thinking about the kind of lifestyle that you want and the kind of respect you want for your own voice mm-hmm. within the firm that you're working for, but also within the client mm-hmm. base. And then choosing from there. So if you're in a very cigar smoking, um, you know, uh, bar swilling, we make deals on the golf course, which you could <laughs> use to your advantage as a woman, but or in places where as a woman, you might not want to be, that may not want to be a market that you want to be in yeah. versus places where, hey, we, we, we are making decisions in a different mm-hmm. fashion and they're used to dealing with mm-hmm. strong women, not to segment you in your career, just to be open and awake to your choosing. Yeah. So that you kind of know what you're getting into. Um. Yeah.
0: Um. I have a question on the feminine versus masculine. Um. Yeah. I also grew up with all sisters. Um, we were all athletes. So it helped us kind of be a little bit more like rough and tough around the edges. Um, mm-hmm. And our parents are a- extremely successful in their career and amazing leaders. And my dad is like the best girl dad ever. So he he, wanted, he always wanted boys, but he ended up with girls. So he pretty much just raised us like boys. Um, I feel like a lot of times it's challenging to... I mean, I've I've never really identified feelings like that for myself, masculine versus feminine. Mm-hmm. Um how, how could you like maybe suggest to a woman to maybe like sit down and look at what some of those traits are for themselves and then understand if they're maybe benefiting themselves or sure hurting themselves?
1: I would I would go in this case, I would go to the the yin-yang kind of Chinese energetics mm-hmm. and not and because it's neutral, because mm-hmm. if we don't we're if we're not projecting feminine woman identified mm-hmm. or masculine male identified, but we're just looking at the the typical energy, then mm-hmm. it takes the judgment out of it. Mm-hmm. And so again, energy tends to be receptive, intuitive, okay. present. So awake in the present mm-hmm. moment. Um, soft. Mm-hmm. Yielding. Those are very common like things for yin, which sounds kind of weak when mm-hmm. I used to hear this. Yeah. But yeah. think about water. So water can take many forms. It can take the form of, of, of a puddle, right? Which mm-hmm. is kind of soft and yielding. It can also take the form of ice. Mm-hmm. There's nothing soft mm-hmm. and yielding about ice. It can be fragmented if the power of a raging river or the power yeah. of an ocean. Women are more like water if you look at that mm-hmm. model. That water has all those aspects. So sometimes it's soft. But have mm-hmm. you ever d- dive and in, dove into water and hit the surface of it and just smacked yourself, belly flopped really hard? Yes. <laughs> water, you smack into water and it can be really hard. The feminine has all of those aspects. So mm-hmm. the feminine is not power powerless, incredibly powerful, mm-hmm. especially when rooted in her authentic power. Now, so receptive. So you're receiving the intuitive ideas. Mm-hmm. So you show up in a room and you're able to scan the room mm-hmm. and tune into the people in the room and understand the energy of the room, what's going on, was there just a fight in here or people getting along, and just really being present to that mm-hmm. and taking that in because you're present. hmm And you're in the here and now. And actually in the here and now is where all authentic power lie. There isn't power in the future because we're not Mm -hmm. there. And there isn't power in the past. Mm -hmm. There's shame in the past and fear and worry in the future typically. But the power is here now. So if you want to translate that to the masculine and the action, the yang, uh, being in action. So forward thinking, thinking about the future, penetrating ideas tend to be like more competitive, more forward. Like you talked about that, the energy, when you talked about sports, there's an energy to that, <laughs> yeah. the energy of sports, the energy of competition, trying yeah. to win and being number one and being first, that tends to be Yang. So as women, when we are catch ourselves in forward thinking, we're actually in Yang mm-hmm. and that doesn't make us wrong. There are times and that's really important and mm-hmm. necessary to do, but we don't want to leave behind. Mm-hmm. The f- power of the sacred feminine, because that's uniquely ours. Yeah. And when we bring that to a conversation, when we're able to just sit back. So, one of my skills that I do, I, I work most of my time as a project manager, mm-hmm. leading teams, leading rooms. And so I'm sitting here in negotiations and difficult conversations and the escalation of mm-hmm. problems, maybe they're people problems, maybe they're project problems. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of hot tempers. And I'm, Was the one as the professional. A lot of my work was to help Mm -hmm. calm the room, to get the ideas on the table so we could solve a problem. Yeah. So when you're in your present moment and you're able to, okay, I'm here. He's saying this, he's saying that, Mm -hmm. she's saying this, they're saying that, and you listen to all of it, and then you use your design mind Mm -hmm. and you kind of weave it together, and then you can come Mm -hmm. forward. With a solution that helps to advance the project. Mm-hmm. Now that that's industry that is not industry specific. That is not in specific to architecture. Yeah. That translates problem solving in any industry. Mm-hmm. But the ability to just listen, yeah, and receive yeah. that, and not be in action. That's a feminine trait. Mm-hmm. And. I know for me, often as a woman in the room, I tend, and I'm an introvert, so I you would not know this from our conversation, but Same. I'm an introvert, <laughs> right? And so I tended to be quiet. I started studying negotiation. So one of the things that I learned coming back to work as a, as a senior project manager and working on these larger projects is that 95% of what I did as a project manager was negotiation. Mm-hmm. Tara, wait, what? Well, I negotiated with my staff to do a task. I mm-hmm. negotiated with the project managers to get staff. I ne- the obvious ones, negotiating with clients to get fees approved and contract signed, negotiating mm-hmm. with contractors to get change order signs or to get schedules mm-hmm. out or to make commitments, negotiating with the mm-hmm. city people to to, uh, to advance our interpretation of the code and mm-hmm. that we could all come together. Almost all of what I did, I realized, was negotiation. Mm-hmm. So I'm showing up in that room with these executives, right? Executives in construction, executives in the hospital setting, other leaders, um, you know, especially with these complicated, um, maybe from construction. Mm-hmm. And I realize you're a lawyer; you are trained in negotiation. You're an exec; you have an MBA; you are mm-hmm. trained in negotiation. You're a construction manager; you're trained in mm-hmm. negotiation. You're a real estate developer; you're trained in negotiation. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the room, and I was not trained in negotiation. Mm-hmm. So I got myself some negotiation training. So if I'm going to give you young architects one piece of advice, <laughs> especially as women, get trained in negotiation. Now, I will tell you a method that I fell in love with and it's the work of Chris Voss and he wrote a book okay. called Never Split the Difference. Okay. And they have a website called the Black Swan Group. Okay. No affiliation. This is work I love and here's why and it circles all the way back to one of the advantages of being a woman. They found that the quietest person In the negotiation, the one that was listening the most, the one that was being empathetic and really understanding what the other person was saying, that person had the most power.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And he said, women tend to be better negotiators than men.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And if most of our work as architects, once you're off the drawing table full time, Mm -hmm. is negotiation, then you have a significant strategic advantage Mm -hmm. if you learn how to be present pay attention, listen to the room,
0: mm-hmm.
1: really understand the problem that your client or your customer or your contractor or whoever it is, your, your manager inside the firm, really understand the problem because the problem that they're having may not be the problem that they're presenting. Seldom mm. it is. It's mm-hmm. usually something under that. Mm-hmm. It's not usually what that is, it's how that could affect their career mm-hmm. or their life or what's going on at home that's got them distracted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And by listening and being empathetic, which is what a yin skill Mm -hmm. you have the most power in the room Mm -hmm. and so for that reason as an architect and as a woman your ability to listen to your clients Mm -hmm. your ability to make them feel heard yeah your ability to have those conversations and be present can make you the most successful Mm -hmm. architect and that those are uniquely feminine traits so that's that's a lot but that I feel very passionate about that because mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. have that when I was young. Yeah. I thought I had to be just like the guys.
0: Yeah. I, I really love that conversation um, because I, as you said earlier, that a lot of times things like being soft and listening and empathy are often considered weak, but that's, that is not the case at all. I think it's just this, I don't, I don't know if stereotype is the right explanation, but I, I think it's just like a perpetuation of what could be negatively assumed as female or yes feminine if you're using the proper mm-hmm. language. But in reality that's not the case. I mean, being and, and even if you aren't soft or you or you aren't those things, that doesn't make you lesser of an architect or a future architect. Mm-hmm. Regardless of your traits, it's just it's just how you use them and manage them and like and get in tune with yourself to yeah, make it to use it, to lo- to leverage it and be a successful person in your own personality set. You don't have to be someone that you're not yeah. to be successful. That is one of the most important things. And I think that I know the younger version of me
1: thought I had to be something I was Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that we're often set up for that. I mean, what do we do in school? We throw our, we throw, we, we carefully put our work on the wall and then we get criticized. For yeah.
0: it. <laughs> we build tough skin. We are turtles.
1: <laughs> right. I, and so but so as turtles, right? Yeah, we can also go into our shell and hide. Yeah, and and so I think one of the things that as a profession, as an industry, this is this now transcends just being a female in an architecture. Mm-hmm. We're often the co- that we're often the best listeners in yeah. the world. We're trained to listen. We're trained mm-hmm. to understand the nuances of our clients. We're untrained mm-hmm. to try to understand their problems. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think that as we actually have far more power. Mm-hmm. Than we've ever let ourselves into. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. So I was so um, the last two big projects I worked on were using an integrated project delivery model. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys have talked about. Mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, we have there's, yeah. there's okay, yeah. There's different ways of delivering construction projects, mm-hmm. and we were co-located in a big room. So I had my contractors in there and my trade partners, my um, mechanical, plumbing, and electrical contractors i also had my MEP engineers i had my structural engineers Mm -hmm. i had the design team and i had representation from my hospital my owner and so um it was really interesting it was eye opening now i'm like almost 20 years into this career Mm -hmm. right when i'm when i'm the project manager i'm in this room so it's not like this just happened and it's not like i didn't have any experience and i'm sitting there and we're just going through schematic design so Mm -hmm. schematic design for our listeners is is typically where you finish a project at university mm-hmm. and then it goes on from there. And so it takes a while. We have to get a concept in, in healthcare. We do what we call stacking diagrams. We organize the floor plan and just at a bubble diagram level. And then we start <laughs> to move it into walls and doors and windows mm-hmm. and, and a building form. And so when we have a building form that looks like it's reasonable, we, we had schematic design mm-hmm. I've oversimplified by far, mm-hmm. but that yeah. when we're there. And so getting to schematic design though, as we know is, design professionals is this iterative process you're like you're on it you're off it you're back and forth well what about Mm -hmm. this idea what about this idea what about this idea and i watched my very good very skilled you know one of the top five in my city in phoenix Mm -hmm. general contractors and i watched Mm -hmm. my estimator wait i mean lost (laughs) lost because of the the volley back and forth and the constant change. And he's waiting for things to settle down because they count sticks and screws, right? Mm. They count, they need, they count items. Yeah. It's the, the, that that part of the profession is advancing. But if you think about it, they are sensate. They're counting things. Mm-hmm. And we put together a loose set of drawings and we're kind mm-hmm. of going back and forth and we're in this inner process. And they're lost and Mm -hmm. they're incredibly uncomfortable. When is this going to settle down? Because they're not used to being in the room Mm -hmm. that early. Yeah. They're used to being in the room, maybe design development to Mm -hmm. construction documents early where we've got a design. Now we're just figuring out how to build it. And I saw another place where our uniqueness as architects comes in is we know we're going to get to a solution. We don't know exactly what it's (laughs) going to look like, but we know we're going to get there. That's inevitable. And this is just what it looks like while it's all getting worked out. Yeah. That even really good general contractors don't understand that. Yeah, well, that we're is comfortable
0: to us. We're comfortable with the mess. Um, my fiance yeah. and I are renovating a house, and we have been for about a year. And my um, my papa is an amazing tradesman and home builder, and so he's been doing all the work. And as soon as we got started, we we tore down this big wall in our hallway and cleared it out, and the house was just a disaster. And my, my fiance is not in construction at all. He's um, a mechanic and he was looking at it. He was like, I do not know how this place is ever going to get done. He was um, overwhelmed by the mess. and I felt really bad. And I, I did not feel like an ounce of stress by the mess or anything. And it's just because in, in those situations where we're immersed into the mess a hundred percent of the time until it's finished. And even when it's finished, there could still be some mess and loose ends to tie up. And I think that I think that's an awesome skill set that we possess. Um, it's fun. It's a little. It's a little chaotic to be that. Yeah. To be that way, to just like embrace five, six, seven messes at one time, and it be okay.
1: And we have a, but we have a fluency. Yeah, we are fluent. And we know we're going to get there. Yes, yes. Again, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. We know we'll get there. We'll get to a set of construction documents, and it'll be buildable. Yes, exactly. We know we're going to get there. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: That's awesome.
1: So, yeah.
0: Um, I'm going to pivot the conversation a little bit. Um, Sure. So per the episode title, Nearly One-Fourth, there is a translation from academia where about 50% of classes are female right now into the point of licensure um, and that could be older women, younger women, in general, the the mm-hmm. whole of women. Um, there's less than one fourth of registered architects that are women. What do you think, after being in the profession so long and being a successful registered architect yourself, um, what do you what do you think causes women to maybe lose interest, to maybe not have the support to to no longer get licensed or not not want to get licensed? Hmm. So I think a
1: piece of that is mentorship. Mm -hmm. So as support is actually being supported, Mm -hmm. being, being, being helped through the path. Mm -hmm. So when I was young, my group of peers, we were all looking to get licensed Mm -hmm. and I had intended to get licensed. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I didn't know. I, I, didn't know in the late 90s that I was groundbreaking. Yeah. I had no idea. I was just trying to get licensed like all my peers were getting. And I was just going to go out and take my exams. Mm-hmm. And it's because I had a drive for professionalism that was yeah. built inside of me. Mm-hmm. So that was just part of it. But absent that, like if someone mm-hmm. doesn't have that, yeah, there's a, not a lot of reason to get licensed, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, some people get distracted by the exams themselves and they feel like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take them and pass them. There's all the yeah. legend and the lore about how hard it is to pass the exams. Sit down and study. You'll pass yeah. the exams. Okay, It's just you've studied for other hard exams. You're going to do this one too. Um, and, But I, th- I think a component of it is the profession itself is very different when you're working in it mm-hmm. than what you thought it was going to be mm-hmm. when you were in school. So you went from being an ideas person in mm-hmm. school to being doing what you're told in the profession mm-hmm. very early on. And for and depending on where you go to work, it could be for a really long time that you're just being handed red lines and you're mm-hmm. just picking up red lines and you're just drafting somebody mm-hmm. else's correcting other people's <laughs> mistakes before you learn enough to mm-hmm start to maybe do some of that yourself or to be entrusted with the design. And very few people, you know, what, less than 10% of the the profession goes into the design side. So there's 90% of what you do that you were (laughs) not trained or almost Mm -hmm. not trained to Mm -hmm. do in school. I figured out how to be a project manager on the fly. Yeah. And let me paint a picture. I was, my first job where I go into construction administration, Mm -hmm. I was 27 years old Mm -hmm. and I went to the eye doctor to get eyeglasses, right? Mm -hmm. At the doctor, when I walked in, they said, do you need a parent? Mm-hmm. I looked 17. I've never done CA. I'm a girl, <laughs> and I look like a kid. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I'm going into a job site where a framer is telling me my detail doesn't work. And I've got all these things running through my head going, oh, my God. And I was really nervous going into the profession. I was nervous about contractors yeah. and if I was going to get treated really bad by contractors. And so I did this. and I didn't know I was kind of leveraging the feminine way back when. I was Mm -hmm. just being strategic. I looked at this framer and I said, hey, um, how would you build it? Like, I I draw pictures all day. How would you build it? And he actually unlocked, showed me how to build it. And that was the way I've dealt with contractors my whole career. Mm -hmm. Is when I don't know what I'm doing, I ask for advice. Hey, you're an expert in this. I'm not. And that really changed my experience. And I got a lot Mm -hmm. of support from contractors. One of the challenges though is um, I did not know how to navigate inner office politics. I was great with clients. Mm -hmm. Clients loved me. I was great with contractors. I was great with my team. My team loved me. Mm -hmm. But I think the other challenge for women is that self-advocacy that we started talking about early on and the ability to push ourselves forward. Mm -hmm. And here's here's that double-edged sword. If we do it out of our masculine and there's a whole bunch of men guess what we're the weakest one in the group yeah and now they're competing with Mm -hmm. us and and we don't want our peers competing with Mm us so when we're showing up in our masculine we get competition versus showing up in a feminine and Mm -hmm. we get collaboration Mm -hmm. and again like i said 25 years ago if you'd told me this i would have rolled my eyes at you so Mm -hmm. you met this this Podcast listeners, don't be offended. I'm really trying to tell you strategy to excel in your career. And so um, and so, the difference then is to enlist the help of others. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that you can do that is when you're going into work, you're going into a job. Let's say you're starting a new one. Or, you know, if you're in work and you're mm-hmm. already working in architecture, go to someone that you admire and ask them this question what is it that the most successful people that you know do? Mm-hmm. And when they answer that, go do it. And why do you do that? When you ask them what do the most successful people do, you are now asking them for advice. I don't care, mm-hmm. man or woman, just mm-hmm. go ask. And then when they give you advice and you take it, suddenly there's a, um, there's a reciprocal relationship mm-hmm. that now they're starting to mentor you. Yeah. In your role. Yeah. And now you're starting to craft support. Mm-hmm. And that that nuance mm-hmm. can really help mm-hmm. you and help women. Because without that, it can be very dog eat dog, sink or swim, and you're on your own. Yeah. And um, I don't think it's unique in professions, but I don't have experience in another profession. No. This is the one that I have experience <laughs> yeah. in. So yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna have to have you back just to talk about mentorship and mentors and I'd it's, love to. It's hard to find. It's it sounds easy to do. It is hard to find someone that you're comfortable to ask questions to. Consistently, be a little bit vulnerable with them because they're going to see a developing side of you, not a polished side of you, mm-hmm. um, and just someone that you want to you want to have a reciprocal relationship. So you're going to want to provide something to them too. So I think I think you could offer some great insights to that later. I'd love to
1: do that and and as you as, so just as one idea as mm-hmm. people are thinking about mentors they don't have to be in your firm mm-hmm. and sometimes it's better if they're not okay cuz then you can talk a little bit more openly about politics and culture and get a different perspective mm-hmm. on it and a mentor can follow you as you as you move through different aspects of your career and you may change them but just it couldn't be in your firm and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be or maybe you have two for different reasons mm-hmm. one that's helping you in the office and one that's helping you with a career overview mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you may decide to hire a mentor and yeah. invest in coaching and yeah. get, and, and someone that's tr- truly committed and dedicated to yeah. you, but that doesn't, that's not the only way to do it. Okay. There are other ways.
0: Awesome. Um, I'm going to condense the next two questions that I gave you. Um, cause they're, they're almost the same, but they're different at the same time. Um, I really feel like, and this is a, this is a personal feel, so maybe it may translate and may not. I really feel that a lot of time for women in architecture, it's challenging to decide what um, their future family looks like, whatever that may mean for them. Um, because the the profession is a very demanding, very time consuming. You often work more than 40 hours a week. Um, the pay is okay. You know, it's not bad, not really reflective of time. Um, and I think it can be challenging sometimes to understand where family life whether that's a dog whether that's a husband a, a wife it, it doesn't matter what it, it feels hard to see where it could fit in to your life in the profession um I know you have a great experience with stepping back and taking care of your twins which is awesome who are 16 now and we were talking about this before the show started about getting ready for college which is scary and um what what can you say to women who are just thinking about where that could fit into their life. Like, how do you make that decision? And then could you also talk about your time as a mom and, and the relationship with the profession, if it helped you hurt you all of it. Sure. Absolutely.
1: Um, this is definitely another great and long conversation that we can unpack <laughs> on another podcast episode. We can keep we can going. Talk we can the entire keep going. time on yeah. this. I would love to, I, I think you're, you're, you're amazing. I think you're, uh, what you're wanting to do is amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so just to, quick I was 38 39 when I got pregnant so I had done a lot of work in my career I'd gotten fairly established I was working in more of a leadership role on projects as a director level mm-hmm. at that point point. and then um, I had twins mm-hmm. I ended up taking six months off um, and I went back to work and I gave myself three months I literally cried every single day mm. And I had gone back to work at 30 hours a week instead of 40 mm-hmm. because I, that, and I was netting $10,000 a year. Mm. And so financially we could do without the $10,000. So I took a break from work. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it, I was out for seven mm-hmm. years um, and I did rebuild my career.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I give one piece of advice to people who are thinking about having children. And so I'm going to start with children because that's the biggest challenge I think. Mm-hmm. And it's, don't have children until you know you want to. Mm -hmm. I don't give advice to people on anything unless they're paying me. (laughs) Right. But I will give that as advice. Mm -hmm. Everything else is just a mere suggestion. Don't wait to have kids until you know you want to have kids. Mm -hmm. Don't let parents pressure you. Don't let anyone pressure you because it will absolutely change your life and you will restructure. So whether you choose to hire a nanny Mm -hmm. And that you have the means to do so or you're willing to make the financial sacrifice to do so. Whether you're dealing with daycare and you're taking your child mm-hmm. in and you're picking them up, you're going to have days when your kid is sick. So mm-hmm. it is it is tricky. I have known women, a lot of the women that I've known had kids later, had them in their 30s. I've known some women that had kids in their 20s, took a long break from their career, and then are you know in their 40s or late 30s are just starting out mm-hmm. almost at the intern level mm-hmm. or having to go back to that because of the time this is one of those decisions that you have to make from your heart Mm -hmm. and then you figure out the life circumstances around it and Mm -hmm. anyone who tells you otherwise i wouldn't listen Mm -hmm. i wouldn't listen you've got to make this for yourself Mm -hmm. and so navigating it it's going to be different for you early early in your career before your license so in that internship period from early licensure, from where I was, where I was project leadership. When mm-hmm. I came back to work, I was told, wow, because you're at a leadership level and a client advisory level, you we can make use of your skill set as mm-hmm. you come back. But had I been at a technical level and I didn't have Revit yeah. and I didn't have other stuff, it would have been a much harder for them mm-hmm. to make that choice to hire me back. Um, so that's just a real high level of a very deep conversation. Mm-hmm. And there's this you can you could work part-time. Mm-hmm. you could navigate a job share. you can now that mm-hmm. we're working hybrid, you can do some of that. My heart went out to people with young kids that were trying mm-hmm. to navigate working full-time yeah. and having kids at home that couldn't go to childcare or couldn't mm-hmm. go to school, especially the little ones. yeah like, how do you do that? That was a real challenge. I think that we've humanized professional life more yeah. through the pandemic yeah. because we got to see life yeah. but I'm also seeing the pendulum swing back. With okay. the expectations of travel coming back, the expectations of being in the office more coming back. And it remains to be seen if we're going to maintain the humanity that mm-hmm. I think the pandemic brought out or if we're going to go back to old ways. Yeah. And you're a Gen Z,
0: right? I am a nobody. I am you're born. You're a nobody. <laughs> I am born in the like few years that's not a Gen Zer and is not a millennial. So Interesting. I'm a floating okay. generation, I guess, technology wise, probably closer to Gen Z, my hair parts on the side. So that makes me closer <laughs> to millennial. Like, I don't know. <laughs> There's different. I have traits That's of hysterical. both. <laughs> So my kids are
1: solidly Z's, and I was talking to someone, a friend of mine, who's um, in architecture. She works in strat. She works for a very large firm, and she okay. works in strategy on projects. And she said something really interesting to me that I think will benefit your audience, okay. especially we're talking about new newer architects or newer people graduating. And she said that Gen Z's don't put up with it. They don't. And there's going to be a const- because of population density, mm-hmm. there are fewer people moving into more roles. And so firms are going to have to attract you. Yeah. Now they're not in that mindset yet. Mm-hmm. They are not thinking that they need to woo and win you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but they will. Mm-hmm. So there's twofold here. Never forget your power from a hum- humble place. Cause if you come at it arrogant, you're yeah. not going to get attention. But the other part is don't forget that you were they have to invest in you and they really do have to train Mm -hmm. you to be an architect. Mm -hmm. Like you are, you, despite education until you've Mm -hmm. actually started to put documents together, until you've actually worked with clients, until you've actually had to answer RFIs Mm -hmm. in the field, until you've actually seen things get built, you don't understand what it takes to put a project together. And unless you've had other experience in life around construction, you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so they have to train you for all of that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so there is that balance. There is this give and take Mm -hmm. of recognizing your worth and being humble enough to know that you need training so that you can become the kind of architect you Mm -hmm. want to be. And there are many paths through the industry. You know, there could be management, there can be design, Mm -hmm. there can be technical. And there's probably other ways, you know, there's interior Mm -hmm. architecture, there's exterior architectures, people specialize Mm -hmm. in just the shell and core of a building versus the inside. Getting clear on what you would love and what brings you joy and Mm -hmm. what brings you life. So on those times when the weeks are longer and the hours are longer, you're still enjoying life. That's when it gets hard Mm -hmm. to be a mom because now you're choosing between your core values of raising your kids and doing a good job at work, mm-hmm. and there's a tug there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I wanted to – you mentioned early on about the long hours. It's okay. Mm-hmm. The project manager came out in me. <laughs> long hours. So this is my – this is how I manage projects to mm-hmm. the best of my ability. Let's schedule them so that everyone's working 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And then if we have a hiccup, yep, we all swell. Or if we're not getting mm-hmm. – you know, if we're falling behind, then we swell. Mm-hmm. To, we are going to do more work. But I'd, I don't want to plan a job assuming my staff's working 50 to 60 mm-hmm. hours a week. That's not healthy for anybody. Mm-hmm. So let's plan the job based on the staff that we have. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, yep, going into deadline, often we're going to have to work overtime. But we're not doing as a culture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So to me, if people are working super long hours, that's a failure in staffing. Yeah. Like the firm can't hire enough people or it's a failure of management. Mm-hmm. I, I firmly subscribe to what Henry Ford said. It was like, look, work your day, work your job and then go home with your family. Because yeah. if we don't recharge our batteries, our productivity, this is selfish as a PM, yeah. your productivity goes down, 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 down. Mm-hmm. And I'm not getting out of you 40 hours a week, even mm-hmm. if you're in, working 60, mm-hmm. because you're exhausted, you're mm-hmm. fried. There's more water cooler conversations, bitching, moaning, kvetching <laughs> versus everybody just like, Having good energy yeah. and getting things done. You know, in studio, right? When you used mm-hmm. to get tired at the end of the day, your risk of cutting your finger if you're building a model <laughs> one way up. Or the, you're looking at your drawings, like, "Oh my god, I made all these mistakes, and I have to undo them." That doesn't change
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you're really tired. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't. So it's, important. so it's it's leadership.
0: Yeah,
1: it's leadership, and it's and it's company culture. Yeah. If the if the company culture is, yeah, well, we work everybody fifty hours a week. Just know that going yeah. in. Yeah, and then you're choosing.
0: I really think the long hour culture stems from like the. Early modernist architect mantra of right. the drafting all night, and I I do hope that over time it, it my in, my internship experience I didn't feel obligated to work that time, but I was an intern I wasn't an employee at the firm, so I'm sure that will probably feel different in the coming months. Um, as you know, I just finished schooling mm-hmm. and. Regardless of my internship hours, I am a newbie in the profession, as are a lot of my peers. And even if you're not a newbie, um, what are some things that you reflect on from the beginning of your career that maybe were life lessons or like small little nuggets of wisdom that you could give us new architecture children advice to help us start off strong? Okay.
1: There are... So... Yes, there are about four things that when I'm working with somebody new, especially if they're early career, and I'll define early careers up to recent licensure, Mm -hmm. that I like to share with people. And I'll be honest that when I say them, I say them a little tongue in cheek, but I actually mean them. Mm -hmm. I'm completely serious. So the first thing, my first rule of project management, which is really client management, is never Mm -hmm. surprise a client. So as a young architect, who is your client? Because it's not the firm's mm-hmm. client. Your client is the architect that you're working under. Okay. Never surprise a client. So that means don't surprise them with news that's too good and don't surprise them with news that's too bad. Yeah. And if you work through never surprise a client and you evaluate what am I doing, what am I facing, mm-hmm. what decisions, what I'm struggling with, what's going well, and you keep them informed, mm-hmm you will build a lot of trust. Yeah. So first your client is inside the office. Later, you will be in front of real clients and you'll be outside of the office. And let me tell you, they don't want to be surprised. Mm-mm. So don't surprise them. Okay. Um, the other thing I've learned about my years of client management is we are the design professional. Mm-hmm. We are the experts in their building, but they need to make the decisions. And so it's our job to tell them what they mm-hmm. need to know to make good decisions whether or not they want to know it. Okay. And when you're delivering when you're delivering unpopular news, they're not going to want to know it. No. But they need to mm-hmm. to make good decisions on behalf of their project, mm-hmm. their team, their building because it's their real estate yeah. deal, not ours. So mm-hmm. that's the other thing. I work as I said a lot in healthcare architecture and in healthcare we do a lot of renovation okay. and addition work. So if you're doing renovation and addition work and you're not doing new construction, these one of the next two come into play. So I would tell all my healthcare architects, my young ones, I said, there's two skills you need that no one taught you in school, psychic powers and x-ray vision. (laughs) And it sounds funny, right? And I was completely serious. (laughs) You need to be able to read your client's mind Mm -hmm. to understand what they want that they're not telling you. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to go, I'm going to tie this back to what we talked about earlier, this yin energy, the feminine Mm -hmm. energy, that listening this is where that comes in, that mm-hmm. ability to listen. And you're going to know intuitively what's going on. I'm going to come back to intuition. X-ray vision, you need to be able to see through walls because guess what? They're going to hold you responsible for things you couldn't see. So learning how to read what's in a wall, what's in a ceiling based on the evidence in front of you, even if you don't have working drawings from the space. Yeah. Learning how to anticipate mm-hmm. as if you had X-ray vision is an important skill. You're not going to need that when you first get started, but as soon, as, but pretty soon you will need that. Mm-hmm. So So, but to kind of recapping, what did I say at first? Um, Don't surprise a client. Be professional. Clients need to know what you know as you're their professional, whether or not they want to know Mm -hmm. it. You need to develop psychic powers. Mm -hmm. You need to develop x ray vision. And then the last thing that I tell them is that I trust you.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Your intuition Mm -hmm. matters. When you're working on a set of drawings, when you're working on something, you are highly trained. Mm -hmm. It took Somewhere between six and seven years to get enough education to qualify for an entry level job. Yeah. Right. So you are trained, you are smart. And I'm speaking to you and anyone who's listening to this. Mm -hmm. So when I'm working with my team, I tell them if something doesn't make sense to you, it probably doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. The times in my career where I look back with regret was when I had intuitive nudge that something in a project wasn't right mm-hmm. and they didn't trace it down. Mm-hmm. So when I'm working with a team, if someone comes to me and says, this doesn't feel right, Tara, then let's spend the time. And not every manager is going to be like this, but I absolutely believe in this because it saves so much yeah. money late in the job. Yeah. Let's track that down until we either discover, oh, it's fine, mm-hmm. or, oh, that really was a problem. Mm-hmm. And then we can solve the problem in the drawing phase, mm-hmm. which is much cheaper for everybody than solving the same problem when it shows up under construction. Mm-hmm. And what when, what we tend to ignore when there's that niggling, something in us doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. tends to show up in construction. Mm-hmm. And so that is your superpower. One of the most important things that you can do is to trust even as a young intern, to trust what you know, mm-hmm. to trust what you know. Mm-hmm. You're in the model. You're going to be in the model more than your architect. You're going to be in the model way more than your principal. If they're like me, they can't even get in the model. Mm-hmm. So you're the one that's going to have eyes on the ground. Trust what you know. That's the most mm-hmm. important thing I can tell you. And the last thing, as a, as a manager and as a leader, someone who's trained a lot of young people, mm-hmm. ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Not incessant questions. Yeah but make sure you understand things. The more people ask me questions, the more leash I would give them. When I knew people were asking really good questions, they got more leadership roles. They got more Mm -hmm. client time early because I knew that they'd come back to me Mm
0: -hmm.
1: if they didn't understand something. Mm -hmm. But if Mm -hmm. you're just kind of keeping it in and you're not asking questions and I'm having to find things Mm -hmm. out, I'm going to pull you closer. I'm going to manage you tighter Mm -hmm. because I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So asking good questions is really important. Yeah. That'd be the last thing. That was a lot. I think that was like seven.
0: (laughs) No, that's okay. That was that was awesome. Um I relate (laughs) I relate deeply to the question advice. My first internship. Um, I was eighteen and I was so shy and so scared. And I and I am still shy in some certain capacities, but the professional in me forces me to not be shy. And because Mm -hmm. I asked I felt like almost zero questions, I gained almost no experience from that whole summer. Um, and all of that advice was really just so amazing. Um, honestly, this whole episode with you has been so amazing. That's why it's going over time and we're just going to let the whole hour reel and it doesn't matter. Um, but Tara, you have been amazing. I, this makes me so excited for all the other conversations I'm going to have because I'm just going to learn so much from you and all of the people out there that know a lot more than I do about being in architecture and a woman in architecture. So thank you for having this conversation with me today and joining so the nearly one-fourth community that is official. Um, it was really great. I hope to catch up with you and catch up soon.
1: I would love that. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. It's an honor to be here. This is so fun, and I love that you're embarking on this journey and that you're doing this to serve women in architecture. Thank you.
0: I'm really excited yeah. about it. Um, it's something that I'm feeling really passionate about. So I'm excited to move forward. Um, if you tuned in today, thank you so much for listening to the very first featured episode of nearly one fourth. Um, please feel free to head over to our show notes to see anything that Tara and I may have mentioned that you're interested in looking into. Um, lastly, please make sure that you follow like and subscribe on YouTube, Apple podcast, Spotify, that just lets you stay up to date on all the awesome nearly one fourth content Um, That's all we have for you today. So I will see you next week on another episode of Nearly One Fourth. Thank you.